2014, Justin Willoughby, head of the Anglican Church throughout the world, made a rather startling statement. And talking to a group of people, he said that there are times he has doubts about God, that he might be out on a run, and he may entertain the thought, where is God in all of this mess? When is God going to show up? As you can imagine, the, the media leapt on this. Immediately in New York Times, they wrote this, even God's earthly emissary isn't sure if this whole thing is made up. The International Business Times called it the doubt of the century. Another journalist wrote excitedly, he said, atheism is on the rise and it appears as though even those at the top of the church are beginning to have doubts. And last, the Daily Show joked, Archbishop of Canterbury admits doubts about the existence of God, but it adds, but atheism doesn't pay the bills, so, which I thought was funny, you can laugh. <laughs> can Christians ask questions like this? Are Christians allowed to have doubts? I mean, after all, isn't doubting a sign of weakness? Welcome Rock Island, welcome Bettendorf campus and all those watching online. This is the last of our series, Christmas at the Movies. And as you saw from the, the bumper, we're going to be talking about the Polar Express, one of my favorite movies. The Polar Express is a, a movie about doubt and faith and belief. The lead character, known simply as Hero Boy in the credits, he has doubts. He doubts that there is a Santa Claus. He's read magazine articles about Santas being on strike. He's read the encyclopedia, which says that the North Pole is a barren, lifeless place. And he's tired of seeing the mechanistic Santa in the dime store windows. Our hero has doubts. And for many of us out there, this, this whole Santa thing can often go in four different stages. When we're a young child, we believe in Santa. As we get older, we stop believing in Santa. As we become parents, we often become Santa. 
And as we get older, most of us end up looking like Santa. I see a few Santas out there. <laughs> his parents notice his behavior and they note it's the end of the magic. Let me ask you, what happens in our lives when the magic, the awe, the wonder, the mystery disappears in our lives? After our hero falls asleep, a magic train shows up in front of his house. It is the Polar Express. And a man gets out and yells out, all aboard. And as the young boy goes over to the conductor, he asks him a simple question. Well, are you coming? And then he explains to the hero boy why he's there. He says there was no photo with the department store Santa this year, no letter to Santa, and you let your sister put out the milk and cookies. But then he sends a couple great lines right after that. He says this, it sounds to me like this is your crucial year. If I were you, I would think about climbing on board. As we close one year and we move in to a new one, Maybe for you, this is your crucial year as well, too. Maybe this will be a defining point for you. Maybe there is something you need to raise the bar on. Maybe there is something you need to turn the corner on as you move into this new period. Maybe this is your crucial year as well. And notice the conductor didn't say to the boy, listen, go figure your doubts out first. Work it all out and make sure you got it right before you get on the train. That's not what he said there. His invitation was, if you have doubts, if you have questions, wherever you are, climb on board. Now is the time. Which gets us to our first fill-in for the day and a foundational idea we need to build upon, and that's this. Faith requires a first step does. It requires a first step, and it is your step to take. It's not my step. It's not the church's step. It's not your friend's step. Faith requires you to take a first step. As we go along, we're going to realize that the Polar Express is a modern-day parable, meaning it uses earthly ideas and earthly stories to talk about heavenly things. We're going to tell earthly human stories to explain God principles on that. Jesus spoke in parables all the time. But I realize there's a, a small group, ever so small, the, the religious lot out there, you know who you are, you know, the, the religious group. I, and they're not in this service, they were in the last service, but just in case. <laughs> that are going to be asking you, saying, hey, wait a minute, Jason, are you saying Santa Claus is God and the North Pole is heaven? No, I'm not. But what I am saying is this story helps us dialogue and challenges us to think deeper and further about these ideas of faith and belief and doubt. And so my invitation is for you to journey along in this story as we learn more about it. Because as I thought about the different symbols 
in it and what they stood for. I, I looked at the train, and, I, and, and to me, it seemed like that train, it stood for the church. It was a group of people who were on a journey headed towards a destination, and that, that reminded me of the church. And on board, there's this conductor whose job is to get the people to the person that sent him. His job is to represent the passengers to the one who sent them. He is their mediator. And, and, and along the way, he's going to teach them and guide them. And, and I couldn't help but see some comparisons there between the conductor and who Jesus Christ is in our life. Because Jesus Christ is in charge of the church. Jesus Christ is the one who is taking us to our Father. And along the way, he is teaching us. On board the train is a, a hobo. Only this hobo is a ghost, oddly enough. And the job of this hobo along the way is to convict the passengers of their doubt and to teach them as well too. And this ghost, this hobo, was also there in times of trouble to help out and to save our hero boy. And again, I was reminded of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives who works to convict us of our sin and who is there for us in our times of trouble. And when I see this, I'm reminded and enormously thankful of the ongoing work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and the gift we have of the three in our lives. Now, on board this train are all kinds of passengers, all sorts of people from different walks of life. And the truth is, the church is no different, is it? We all come at this thing with our own set of stories from our own places. We come as we are. But I'd like to talk about three or four of the passengers in particular, if I could. And the first one I'd love to have some fun with is a character simply known as Know-It-All Boy. If you're old like me, you know him as the voice of the nerd on war games. Know-it-all boy had all the answers. Not only did he know what train he was on and where it was headed, he knew the exact model of the train and what year it was manufactured. Throughout the movie, he seemed to have all the answers and bossed all the other kids around with his intelligence. He was really smart, but he was so smart that he could no longer appreciate the magic or the people who were on the train with him. And believe it or not, this may surprise you, there can be people like this in the church too. Know-it-alls. They have an answer for everything. They've got a Bible verse ready to go for whatever you're going through. They've got the answers. You ever met anybody like that? If your neighbor's looking at you, it might be you. <laughs> Know-it-alls have a religious spirit, and that religious spirit can rob others of their joy on the journey. They're always right, and they want you to know it. They have all the answers, but they have none of the magic. There's no awe. There's no mystery in their life. They only trust what can be proven through logic and reasoning. And they forget what the Bible reminds us in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. My dear friends, what happens when we have all knowledge but no heart? When it's all up here but it's not here 
You see science with all its great advances in the past couple hundred years, and there's been some incredible ones, but in all those great advances, it has yet to explain to me why it is I know I'm here, why I'm aware, why I know I'm alive, and why I care. It can't seem to explain that to me. It can't seem through logic, reasoning, and, and, and just thinking can't seem to explain to me why it is I can be moved by a beautiful piece of music, why I am in awe of the morning sunrise or at the birth of a newborn child. Not everything can be explained through logic. And I remind us of an important point. God is something you experience. God is something you experience, not find. It's not like a lucky coin you chance across. Know-it-all boy had lost the magic in all of his hard, cold knowledge. He was losing the awe and the mystery, and it had been replaced with logic and reasoning. And this can happen in our spiritual journey as well, too. Jesus, when talking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, had this to say. He said, a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And we don't like to always talk about the Spirit because it's kind of this nebulous thing. We can't necessarily see and touch it, and it, it conjures up images of ghosts and goblins and woo, you know. And we, so we don't, we don't like to talk about it. However, John reminds us in the next verse, God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and truth. There is a world that we cannot always see, that we cannot always explain. And I know Christians who have been full of the Spirit, and it's wonderful watching them. They're just full and alive with the Spirit, but they don't have any grounding in truth. And what happens is sometimes that Spirit, without the grounding of truth, moves into some false and wrong ideas if they're not careful. And on the other hand, I've known some Christians that have an amazing amount of knowledge and truth in their life, but they have no spirit. And unfortunately, they're some of the meanest Christians I've ever met. They have all the head, but none of the heart. God is looking for worshipers to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Know-it-all boy had the head knowledge, but not the heart and we need both. The next passenger I'd like to take a look at is the boy from the other side of the tracks. We find his name out later in the movies, the only one we find out, his name is Billy. And life hasn't really worked out for Billy. He's had a hard life. It hasn't been kind to him. Billy represents the poor and the downtrodden in our lives. It's the least of these. As, as Billy said on the train, he said, Christmas just doesn't work out for me. And maybe that's you. Maybe you relate with that and you say, you know what? Life just hasn't really worked out for me. It didn't turn out quite like I planned. It's not what I expected. And if that's you, there's a couple things I'd love to remind you of. And the first one's this. The train made a special stop to pick up Billy. The kid said to Hero Boy, we thought you were the last pickup. But the train made a special stop to pick up 
billy. And as a church, we must remember that we will stop for the billies of the world. We will stop for the hurting. We will stop for the loss. We will find those who need to know Jesus, those who need help. We will go places we wouldn't normally go to because we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. I love what the apostles reminded Paul of before he was about to head out on one of his missionary journeys. In Galatians 2.10, they said this, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I'd been eager to do all along. We as a church must never lose sight of the weak, of the oppressed, of the marginalized. We must stand in the gap and advocate for the hurting. Lift those up who need to be lifted up. We must be the voice for the voiceless. We are the church that stops for the billies of the world. The second thing we realize is Billy had his own set of doubts as well. You see, Billy doubted others. Billy doubted anyone cared Billy doubted that he could depend on or count on anybody. And that's where we find him. And if that's you in life, maybe you're, you're saying, yeah, that's, that's right where I'm at. I really just don't think anybody cares. One thing I want you to remember is it takes courage to pursue God through suffering and confusion. It will take courage to do that. And if you relate with Billy, I want to remind you of this. My dear friend, you are dearly loved. While we may be a church of imperfect people, we serve a perfect God whose love is perfect and available for all. And this God loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. And because you matter to God, you matter dearly to us, the church. We want to come alongside you. We want to journey with you. You can count on and depend on us. We want to be there for you. The third person I'd love to highlight is known as Hero Girl. Now, in many ways, Hero Girl exemplifies the spirit and the joy of the Christmas season, and I love that about her. But maybe you picked up on it or not. She has her own set of doubts as well, too. You see, Hero Girl doubts herself. She doubts her leadership She doubts her ability to make decisions. And for many of us, maybe that's where we're at. Maybe you have doubts. God has been pushing and challenging you to take a new direction in life or to turn a corner or to raise the bar. Maybe you're at that defining moment in your life, but the only thing keeping you from experiencing everything God wants you to experience is you. Maybe it's your self-doubt. Maybe you don't think you have enough education. Maybe you don't think you've been trained properly. But I would remind you of something we've mentioned before, but is absolutely worth mentioning again, and that's this. God continues to use ordinary people to perform extraordinary things. People like you and me. And we must also remember this. Faith is putting what you believe into action. Because that's what leaders do. They make things happen. It's not always enough just to believe. On the way out to the parking lot after church today, I can see you being mugged and believe in all my heart that that's absolutely wrong and should not happen. But if I do nothing about it, what good is my belief? It's not enough to just believe and be a a spectator. 
Faith is putting what you believe into action. And one of the biggest obstacles for many of us to put our faith into action is our self-doubt. The biggest thing standing between us and the success God has in store for you is you. But if God doesn't doubt you, why do you doubt yourself? Or I wonder, I really wonder if in doubting ourselves, we don't reveal something even deeper in our hearts, something we we don't really want to admit or believe, but it's there. Perhaps we doubt ourselves because we really doubt God. Maybe really down deep in doubting ourselves, we're revealing that we truly doubt God. Because if we believe God is God, then we know that God has given you everything you need to succeed. And God did not make a mistake when he called you to do something. When he called you, he not only knows you can do it, but expects that you're going to do it. He's given everything you need to do it. So in doubting ourselves, we reveal our hearts that we don't really trust God to do what he says he's going to do. And I realize that may come down like a ton of bricks. But search your heart. Where does that doubt really come from? And what leadership step are you being called into in this coming year that you need to take that step of faith towards? Maybe it's a leadership step in your home or in the workplace, or maybe it's in the community. What step of faith are you being called to take this coming year? Which gets us back to our main character, Hero Boy, and the original question we were asking. Is it okay to doubt? Is it okay to have questions? Now, in truth, this isn't really a yes or no question. It's a little bit like you asking me, is it okay to eat? I mean, the answer is, well, yeah, please. But if you're going to eat fried food and chocolate at every meal, it's going to catch up to you at some point. How y'all been doing the last few days? Uh-huh. It's like fear. You say, is fear bad? No, there's a, a good kind of fear that keeps me from walking out into a street full of traffic or going down a dark alley in the middle of the night. And that fear is healthy, but fear left unchecked can become paranoia, and that's not healthy. Doubt is kind of the same way. There is a healthy doubt that I would say is essential to growth that challenges us to look at our status quo, that moves us out of our comfort zone, that causes us to question or relook or reevaluate, to see it through a different lens, maybe in a way that we never have before, that leads us to a new understanding in a new way. That's a healthy doubt. But there's an unhealthy doubt that can take us down the road of cynicism that you don't want to be on. That's an unhealthy doubt. Now, to understand this, then, we need to see and understand that doubt is a journey we go on, and then maybe we can look on that journey and say, here's where I'm at, and understand it a little bit better. For most of us, that that journey begins in a place of comfort. At this time, things are simple. Things are normal. They are status quo. We're happy and we're comfortable where they are. But for whatever reason, some kind of conflict interrupts that status quo. 
Something lands in our life. Maybe it's a circumstance or maybe it's some new data that we didn't have before, but something now has taken us out of our comfort zone. And now we're going to have questions. And as we ask more questions and travel down this road, there ends up being a time of crisis. At this point, there's sort of a crisis of faith. The the bottom has dropped out. What I was certain about, I'm no longer certain about. Now I'm not even sure where I'm going or what I'm doing. I'm unsure of what the outcome is going to be. And I'm really uncomfortable now. And it's at this time that many of us face a crossroads moment in our life. And it's an important crossroads we need to pay attention to, especially on matters of faith. See, it's at this time we choose one or two roads to go down to. Either A, we accept Humbly accept our circumstances for what they are. This can often mean that I don't have all the answers. I may have to rely on some awe and some wonder and embrace that. I may have to be comfortable not knowing everything. Or we can choose the road of cynicism We become angry and bitter. We shake our fist. Things are not as they should be. They didn't turn out as planned. And we harden our hearts. And for many of you, you're at different places on that journey along the way. Because the problem, especially as we deal with faith, is that we come to the realization that in our faith, we're not always going to have all of the answers. Some of the greatest truths that we will have to hold on to will be mysteries to us. Because we are finite beings trying to describe and understand an infinite God. We are trying to describe the indescribable We are trying to understand the ineffable. What words could we possibly use? And this is the great dilemma of the Polar Express. It's the tension that our hero boy is living in. On one hand, as the hobo said in the video, seeing is believing. But then we're reminded by the conductor later in the movie that sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. And that's the tension he's living in, the known and the unknown, the describable, the indescribable, the seen, the unseen, the measured, and what we can't measure. And for most of us, it starts this journey of faith towards acceptance with an awareness and a questioning that there must be something out there bigger than me. There must be something else going on. This can't all be one big cosmic accident. And just because I don't know what it is doesn't mean it's not there. That's where awe and wonder comes in. Something else is out there, something bigger. I can't describe it in words, but I'm aware that it's there. Because awe is not born out of reasoning. Awe is something we encounter. We're often in search of answers, but left with more questions. 
I don't know about you, but I have found the more I seem to find out about God, the less I seem to know. Bigger than anything we can imagine. And that's where our journey begins. When we humbly admit that we don't have all the answers, but we submit to an indescribable God. That's where it begins. Which helps us move into our so what moment. If you come up and ask me, Jason, is it okay to doubt? I will tell you that sometimes doubt is absolutely essential. As we talked about, it pushes us out of our status quo. It makes us look at things differently. It challenges us to think through it, to test it, to grow from it. But if we let that doubt go too far, it can take us down a road of bitterness and cynicism you don't want to be on. It will cause you to harden your heart. Maybe you have all sorts of questions. Maybe you have doubts. Maybe as we put that diagram up, you say, yeah, I, I know exactly where I'm at. I'm, I'm at that crossroads on there. Great. I loved what the conductor had to say to the boy at the end of the movie. He said, the thing about trains, it doesn't matter where they're going. What matters is deciding to get on. If you've got doubts, if you've got questions, if you're uncertain of a great number of things, welcome. Me too. All aboard. Maybe this year you need to be challenged with a step of faith and it's yours to make. And just as the Polar Express had a destination, it was heading towards the North Pole. God's church is on a journey towards a destination as well. Paul talks about that briefly in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 8. He says this, With all wisdom and understanding, He, that is God, made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He pur purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. And here it is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's going to happen. You can bank on it. God is going to bring all things in heaven and all things in earth under one Godhead, that being Jesus Christ. This train is going to reach its destination. And the real question is this, are you willing to get on? Are you willing to be a part of God's great mission to redeem the world. Each of our passengers was given a ticket, which the conductor punched holes in that formed words. To our know-it-all boy, his word was learn. To Billy, the boy from the other side of the tracks, he had a magic ticket. It said, count on, depend on. To our hero girl, her ticket said, lead. Inside your worship guide, I've I put a blank Polar Express ticket for you as well, too. And my big question is this. If Jesus were to punch your ticket today, what would it say? What word or words would he use to challenge you into this new year, into this new season? How would he raise the bar? 
And I want you to write that down on that ticket. And I want to encourage you to cut it out, put it someplace where you can see it to remember what you are being challenged to in the coming days, months, weeks, years, whatever it may be. Hero Boy's ticket was stamped, Believe. He was called to believe with a childlike faith. The sign of his belief was a, a bell that he could hear and others could not. Speaking at the end of his life, as an older man, Hero Boy said this, he said, at one time, most of my friends could hear the bell, but as years passed, it fell silent for them. As we get older, we lose that childlike faith, that faith we had when we first came to Jesus and said, forgive me, be my Lord and Savior. We lose the awe, we lose the mystery, we lose the wonder. It's stomped out through the worries and the distractions and the chaos and the doubts and the cynicism of life. We lose the magic over time. It gets replaced with cold, hard facts and logic. But I remind us again, what words, what logic, what reasoning can describe the indescribable? In the presence of Almighty God, what words could we possibly have to say except to bow on our knees and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But just as Hero Boy had a symbol of his faith and what he believed, we have a symbol of our faith and what we believe as Christians as well too. And we're going to participate in that today. We call it communion. Maybe you know it as the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. This symbol, this ritual, stands as a reminder of everything we believe. It is at the core of our worship. I've been reminded and, and convicted recently of just the seriousness, the awe, the mystery of this amazing meal. How it stands foundational to our understanding of what it means to be a Christ follower. In this meal, we are reminded of Jesus' body that was broken. He was punched. He was whipped to within an inch of his life. They pulled his beard out. They put a crown of thorns on him. They accused him of things he did not do. And yet the scripture said he remained silent. And he did it for you. May we not forget and the cup is a reminder of his blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins. It's supposed to be your blood, by the way. The wages of sin is death. It was our price to pay. 
but he paid it for us. And thus is the great story that God loved us so much, he sent his son who was born of a virgin, who really lived, who really taught us, who really died on the cross a horrible death, but rose again three days later. And because he conquered death, you too, in the lifelessness and the death and the destruction of our sin, may be reborn and reconnected to God. This meal stands for everything we believe in. May we approach it with awe and reverence and wonder and mystery and never lose it. And so I ask three things real quick before we do this. Number one, if you're one of those folks who is sitting here and you're working through those doubts, you've got those questions, you, you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus Christ yet, but you are taking those steps and asking, man, we are so glad you are here. And it is our privilege and our pleasure to help answer those questions, to walk alongside you. And it is our hope and our desire that at some point you make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But I would ask, due to the importance of this meal and what it stands for, for those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, that you abstain from taking of it when it comes by you. It is a meal for believers. And there's no shame, no harm, no foul. It's just we ask that you honor this for us. Number two, if there is somebody in your life that you are harboring bitterness for, that you have not forgiven, you refuse to forgive, you're not going to do it, I would ask that you abstain from this meal as well too. In fact, the Bible says go and make it right with them and then come back. Because this meal stands for absolute forgiveness. God forgave you when you did not deserve to be forgiven. Amen? Third, we all sin in many different ways, me included. It's not what I'm going to be talking about here. But if there is reoccurring sin in your life, something that you just refuse to give up, you know that it's wrong, but you choose to live that way anyways. You're going to live how you want to live, when you want to live. You have not surrendered it and sacrificed it to the Lord. Then I ask that you abstain as well too. This meal represents the ultimate sacrifice and surrender made on our behalf. And the people that come to it are to be reminded that the sacrifice and surrender that you were shown is the same sacrifice and surrender you are to give others. And if you cannot humbly come before the throne and say, your will be done. I just ask in this season as you walk through that, again, we want to walk through it, but you just abstain and honor this meal for what it stands for. I end with this. My friend Brian was an atheist his entire life, but one morning he stood out on the side of the mountains in Washington with a glorious sunrise coming up, and he entertained a single thought, and it was this. He said, I believe there's something bigger than me. And for him, that was an enormous leap. Maybe today, that's your step Maybe you just need to say, you know what, today I recognize 
there's something bigger than me. I may not know what it is. I may not know much about it. But you just take that first step into a journey to find out more. And we would love to talk to you. But for the rest of you, I ask you, have you lost the magic? Have you lost the wonder? When was the last time you were in awe of God? Today, as we come to this table, I ask that you be reminded of the awe and the mystery and the bigness of God. That you remember what he did for you. That this indescribable God never turned his back on us, even though we turned our back on him. May that fill us with wonder as we celebrate what he has done for us. Let's pray. Dear God, as we now approach your table, may we do that with awe and wonder in our hearts. Take any bitterness and cynicism out. Forgive us of our complacency. Remind us as we take this meal of what you have done by sending your son to die on our behalf. And Lord, if there's any out there who need to take that first step of faith to know you, may today be that day. We thank you for this time and we thank you for this opportunity to serve you. Your body, your blood shed on our behalf. In your name.